0: This is Drummer's Resource Podcast Session 555, and the quote of the day is, You can never expect to succeed if you only put in work on the days you feel like it. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on everybody, Nick Rafini here, episode 555, and I'm pumped about this episode because I got my man Jonathan Blake, a fellow Philadelphian uh, here on the podcast, and he was born sort of into jazz royalty, his dad is a renowned jazz violinist, his name is John Blake Jr., and from there he has played with Tom Harrell, he's played with Kenny Barron, other top season jazz players uh, and really is has left and is leaving his mark not only in the Philadelphia area, but around uh, the world playing in multiple groups. And this conversation is one eye opening to uh, we get deep into the idea of comping and phrasing and. And melody and playing melodically and all those things that that I mentioned in this episode that I struggled with as a young player, and I'm sure that some of you are, are struggling with as well. So we talk a lot about that. We talk about practice, hard work, all of those things which are all super important, but Jonathan has a great way of breaking them down to the simplistic to help people take what they're trying to learn and actually go into the practice room and actually learn it and and the perspective that he has is great and he speaks about it a lot more eloquently than i can so i'm not going to waste any more time let's get into it with my new friend mr jonathan blake jonathan blake how are you my man i'm good nick how you doing man i'm i'm man you know anytime i get a philadel a fellow fellow philadelphian and a fellow eagles fan uh oh, of on the on the podcast it's a good day for me
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah Billy for life, baby. That's yeah, what man.
2: it is.
0: So <laughs> it's, it's it's funny. I moved out here, and everybody's like, "So uh, are you a Dodgers fan now?" And I'm like, "Am I a what fan?" <laughs> <laughs> what is that again? No. <laughs> it's was like, I, I didn't even know they had a baseball team. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: man, I was messing with um, uh, Mark. Mark Liana just moved out there. So and he's from Jersey. So what he's, you know, he's a um, Mark moved out you know, like, there. Yeah, Mark is out there now. I did not know he, that he and, he and Gretchen. So I was messing with him one day, right? I think right before he was moving, I was like, "Man, does this mean you're uh, officially a Laker fan now?" And he's like, "Hey, man, don't don't hurt me like that." because yeah. <laughs> he's like he's a big. I
0: know he's a big baseball fan, uh, and his brother yeah, is like yeah. a his brother like a he he. I think his brother om- played pro ball or almost played pro ball, and he's a coach now, right?
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's interesting because now obviously this is uh this was a drumming podcast and now it's the sports podcast but uh, <laughs> but I mean this whole thing this whole thing with Kobe Bryant like it hit me because obviously he's a Philly guy right he's a Lower Merion exactly. guy but yeah but we were in high school at the same time and the number 2 player in the country was a guy named Rip Hamilton who I went to high school with Kobe oh, I remember, Bryant was I number that name. Yeah, and he, he played for Detroit, won the championship. He was a perennial All Star, and that's right. and played against uh, since they were in, they were in the same conference, so they played Kobe Bryant. So I got to see Kobe Bryant play against Rip Hamilton, number one and number two in the country in high school.
1: Dang, that's crazy, man.
0: And Kobe that's Bryant crazy. looked like looked like it was Kobe Bryant playing against, a bunch of uh, against a bunch of high school kids.
1: <laughs> oh no, he. I mean, he was just. You know, I remember him from early on. I'm a, you know, I'm a little older than him, but uh, I just remember early on, and you know, watching some games. And I was just like, oh man, this dude is—he's already re- ridiculous. So
2: yeah, yeah. It
1: was—it was just a matter of time before, you know, he blew up to stardom. So um, for sure. you know, I, I'm, it was just beautiful to see too. I mean, he was such a an amazing person. It was just also great to watch him grow into the man that he became. You know, mm-hmm. just. uh you know a great father and great husband so Mm -hmm. yeah i mean he's definitely that was definitely a a a big loss for you know not just the laker community but you know and for his family but also uh to fans of his as a whole you know all over the globe so it's crazy man like it tragic
0: it happened pretty close to my house and uh and, like, I remember that Saturday night, my wife and I went out to dinner, and I was like, man, it's really hazy out. And then in the morning, I was like, wow, it's really foggy. It was mm. just, re- like, we get that, like, I mean, you've been to L.A., like, you get that sort of, like, that haziness, but it was, it, but it, this was different. It was, like, really, really foggy. And I, I remember, like, noting how foggy it was, and then an hour later, I got a text message about it. It was crazy. Wow, that's um, crazy, yeah, man. The one thing that, like, tying this into drumming I remember I watched a I watched a video um or a documentary about him called Kobe Bryant's Muse and I brought it up on the podcast before and it mm-hmm. documents like him going through injury and, and the work ethic and all that kind of stuff and it just reminded me what is what it really takes to be the best right and you can look at that whether you're an athlete or or a drummer um and and I've always said like look at who your competition is like if you if you want to do this if you want to play drums like can you compete with, you know, a Jonathan Blake? Can you compete with a Brian Fraser Moore? Can you compete with a little John yeah. Roberts? Because that's your competition, right? Right, like, right. You wanna play in the you wanna play in the pros, that's that's who you gotta that's who you gotta compete against. So Oh totally. Uh,
1: totally. I mean
0: that work ethic.
1: Yeah, I mean that's so important. Uh you know, I think for me at least early on that was really instilled into me by my mother and father. My you know, my father being a professional jazz musician but also um, a big time educator. And then my mom being a, a school teacher. Uh, so, you know, education and working hard was, uh, was really important to them, you know, not just resting on your talent or whatever else it was about, like putting the work in to see these results. So, Mm -hmm. um, that, that's something that really stuck with me. And, and, um, And for me, uh, yeah, there is definitely that um, competition component to it. But also, for me, I, I uh, I was also really inspired when I would hear people. Like, I think I heard John Roberts, little John, when he was maybe in 11th or 12th grade. And I think I was in, like, you know, 7th or 8th grade or something like that. He's a little older than me. But I just remember, like, oh, man this is what i need to aspire to you know what i mean it was just mm-hmm. like man i'm you know it was like oh i got to put in the work and you know cuz i want to be that good if not better so um uh, it was always about like you know hearing these people that were a little older to me but also uh being inspired by them to to you know make me go in the practice room and just work that much harder
0: sure was it what, when you talk about the hard work going into the practice room I can. I know from personal experience. Like, I grew up in in in, a family that owned their own business, so hard work Mm. was just what you did, right? I didn't know anything else, so Mm. it was never hard for me to work hard because I just thought that's what everybody did, right? Uh, Mm. Did you have the same thing? Was it was it like, oh, this is just what you do, or was it something that that required a lot of a lot of like? discipline and like did you have to fight against that grain is what i'm trying to say
1: oh totally i mean i it it, i mean even though i said early even though they instilled it us to to work hard it was still hard i mean i had days where i was lazy and i didn't want to do anything and um you know so it did take discipline and even to this day there's certain things that i was doing when i was very young that i still uh do today because i know that I can easily be distracted if I don't have a certain um, regimen written down or whatever. You know, Mm -hmm. you know. Everybody works differently. You know, some people can just get up and you know and push through, and other people it's like okay, they have to have a list of things so that they don't get sidetracked. And I was I kind of fall in that category. You know, I I could be easily distracted. Me too. Um, And so, um, yeah, it took me like, you know, keeping like a little journal when I was younger and just writing certain things down. Okay, tomorrow after school, this is what you need to work on. Um, You know, and then I would see that when I would go down to uh, I was I was uh, regulated to the basement of our uh, of our house. That's where I was. uh, (laughs) That's where all the drummers have to go. (laughs) (laughs) My dad had a little studio built in our in our um in our house in Philadelphia but it was in the basement so I would have to go literally go into the basement into this little you know it looked like a little back cave or something like that but that's where my drums were set up so I would have like a little notepad and and I would just flip through it and say okay this is what I have to work on today and um and I still do that today and it's and it's definitely been a beneficial because i i know myself like i know if i don't have that then i'm definitely gonna whatever you know whatever's going on today whatever you know whether that be checking instagram whether that be on facebook or you know or just you know watching news or whatever you know so you know i have to really be you know have these things written down so that i can lock in and focus on mm-hmm. the task at hand
0: when you were younger, I'm sure maybe or maybe not this this may have been a harder question to answer, but now that you're an experienced player, you know, you're you've been doing this for years. How do you determine what it is that you that you're going to work on and and how do you determine the things that need attention versus the things that like <clears throat> just feel good when you go into the practice room to play? Well,
1: that 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 makes that means you have to really you have to be honest with yourself. Um for me, I you know, I know certain things that are weaker in my playing. So I have to really take a look at myself and say, okay, I'm not too good at this. So I need to, I need to really be honest and say, okay, I need to do that so that I can get better at it. So for me growing up, my, my sight reading was not the best. And, um, and I, you know, I relied heavily on my ears growing up. So uh, in turn, I was like, man, I need to really work on that. That was something that I really wanted to work on so that I could get better at it. Um, so it's, to me, I think it really takes of course discipline, but it also takes, um, a true honest look with you and, uh, with, uh, a look at yourself to be able to, um, to say what you need to work on. So, um, and now that, you know, now that's, you know, I, I do apply that same, thing today, you know, like there's, um, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough now to be playing in, uh, uh, Maria Schneider's orchestra. And some of that music is really challenging. So it really takes, for me, it takes, you know, some t- some people, it might not take as long for me. It takes a little longer to like, really get that stuff under my belt. So I have to kind of sit with it sometimes and, 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 and hash it out mm-hmm. and say like, okay, look, this is not, you know, you you may, you may, you know, you might have one song down and then you might take a look at another song and say, oh, man, this is really too hard. But I think if you really are honest and say, look, I know this is not I'm not I'm not strong on this particular tune. Let me let me hash it out. Um, that's how I have to look at it. I have to really take an honest look with myself and say, OK, this is what I really need to work on.
0: Mm hmm. And what I found with myself and with other people, uh, and I'm sure you see the same thing where going in and practicing things that you're not good at or looking in the mirror and saying, okay, you're not good at this thing. You're not good at that thing is such a shot to the ego that people, that people want to avoid it. Right. So how do you recommend that people get, get over the fact that like, okay look you're not going to be great at everything until you work on these things so like it's okay yeah. to it's okay to suck at some things as long as long as you're going in and getting better at it
1: yeah i mean i think that's the thing like if if you know that well first of all if you're serious about this music or serious about anything that you want to do um you have to you have to be willing to say look i i you have to be willing to say look i look I might suck at this right now, but I know if I work at it, it's going to get better. And also, I think one of the things I would say is that. Look, you know, we talked about this a little earlier, there's a million one great drummers. So it's like if you're not going to take the time to work on it, there's somebody else waiting right in line that's going to do the work and and kill the gig. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you want to work at this professionally, You got to be you got to stay on top of the game. And that's one of the things that has kept me going. It's like, okay, look, I'm living, you know, really close to New York where there's hundreds, if not thousands of great drummers. So um, in order for me to stay on top of my game and not have gigs taken from me, I need to really, you know, keep up a good work ethic. And I think that's one of the things that uh, uh, has helped me to really um, stay busy in in this field um you know i take every uh gig that i have very seriously and and i try to put in the the proper time because i know there's somebody else that's waiting in line that if i slip up that that person's going to get the gig
0: what would you say to a person that is unmotivated to practice
1: um man, that's that's a good question um I mean, there's a few things. I, you know, first I would say, look, you know, I would maybe question the person: Is this what you really want to do? Are you really serious about this uh, craft? Because if you're not, you might want to find something else that that brings you joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, you know, that's just me being honest. It's, you know, it's it's okay if 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 you're not if you're not serious and you don't want to do that's okay too. You got to find what works for you. Um, the other thing is just I I I think I have to. I would have to just be really straight up with the person and just say, look, um, you know, if you're not motivated to practice, um, you have to, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, there's some days that are that are like that where you're not motivated to practice. And, I, you know, I've had students where I say, "Okay, look, if you're not, if you're in this particular day, if you're not motivated to practice, try to go out and do something else that, you know, will change your energy. You know, whether that be, you know, go out to a movie, go out, you know, running or whatever. Uh something that kinda changes your mood mood. And a lot of times, um, my students will come back to me and say, Man, you know, I I, I did what you recommended and it kinda changed my whole outlook about how I was feeling earlier. Mm -hmm. So sometimes just, you know, sometimes you do need a break from it and sometimes you're not going to feel like um, You know, I think I guess it's the same way with, you know, a lot of even myself like I'm I'm not always You know um, Motivated to work out, you know what I mean? So sometimes I have to do other things To get me in that mood or to change my to Change the mood that I'm in to Mm -hmm. do what you know, what is necessary? So Mm -hmm. those are the couple things that I would, you know Put you know, put forward to the person who might not feel motivated to practice. And sometimes
0: you just have to suck it up and go do it, right? Like, oh, totally. You know, oh, totally. you're not always going to have like we were talking about Kobe Bryant earlier. I'm sure that there's days that he woke up in the morning and was like, "The last thing I feel like doing is going into the gym and shooting a hundred shots." You know? Oh, of
1: course, of course. I mean, and it's funny, you know, with with me with kids now, uh, I see that. You know, there's some days. You know, we uh, I had they were taking piano lessons for a while, and <laughs> they were not motivated to practice. And I said, you know, I would tell them when they were really young. I was like, look, there's a lot of things that I do not want to do, but I have to just suck it up and do it
2: because
1: mm-hmm. if I don't do it, you know, other things are going to suffer. Yep. I was, you know, and I, I, you know, I would just be straight up and tell them. I was like, sometimes when I come off the road, I don't want to have to get up at six or seven in the morning to take you to school. But I know that you need to education and I know you need to get to school. And that is my job as a parent. Right. So I was like, there's, there's certain things that we don't want to have to do, but we have, you know, we just have to sometimes just suck it up and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't, That's wait just for, what it is.
0: can't wait for the, uh, for the mood to strike you all the time. You know, it's fine no, for creativity, yeah. but for, I think for discipline and, and, uh, and, you know, putting in that hard work, sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta do it.
1: Oh, totally, totally, totally.
0: And i I feel mm-hmm. you on. I'm like, I, I work out all the time, right? Like, I've averaged mm-hmm. three to four days a week going to the gym for the last five years, and I hate it every single time I go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you're doing much better than me. I need to get myself together. I,
0: but I, the, <laughs> but the motivation's still not there. Like every day, I'm like, there's ten <laughs> things I feel like doing right now, and going to the gym is number eleven. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had those days. <laughs> I definitely had those days. I don't know why. But, people um, are
0: like, oh, once you get into the groove and everything, I'm like, all right, well, I've, this has been years, 10 years, <laughs> yeah, still not this, in the
2: groove. This groove is not happening.
1: Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> it is not happening.
0: I just, yeah. I mean, I just got to do it and suck it up, and then I leave, and I'm like, all right, I'm glad I went. Uh, yeah, like, exactly. I'm always glad
1: I went, but like. <laughs> I know, like sometimes when I'm on the road in a you know, hotel, I'm saying I has a gym. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to do this, but I'll go down there and then I like, come up and I'm like, oh, I feel yep. much better now. You know? <laughs> like, Yep, it's just, it is how it is. So.
0: I uh, got to do. I always reference Michael Carvin. Uh, are you familiar with Michael?
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, taboo. Tabo. He uh, he
0: he told me something a long time ago where where he he, he has this thing about like touch the handle, right? So. He said a friend of his wanted to lose weight, and and he was like, Michael, what should I do? Like, I I never go to the gym. And he was like, here's what I want you to do. Tomorrow, I want you to drive to the gym, get out of the car, walk up, touch the handle on the door, and turn around, walk back, get in your car, and drive home. He's like, what? He's like, well, if I'm going to do that, he's like, I might as well go to the gym. He's like, all right, well, then go to the gym while you're there. He's like, but... (laughs) All, you're, all you have to do is just touch the handle. And he, and he uses that as a metaphor for everything. right? Or I, mm. I shouldn't say that. I turned that into a metaphor. So like within my household, like my wife and I are always like, just touch the handle. Like whatever it is. Put your sneakers on. Whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And we were talking about practice. And I said, what would you recommend? How long do you recommend people practice every day if they're like, you know, and he was like five minutes. And, and I was like, really? Just five? He's like, that's it. He's like, mm. sit down practice for five minutes he's like that five minutes is going to turn into 20 is going to turn into 50 is going to turn into an hour and a half whatever it is but he's like man just go down and just hit the ride symbol you know right? just just touch the handle and then and then the rest the rest takes over from there
1: exactly Um, exactly i definitely agree with that that philosophy i mean it's uh you know i i think also in my case it's like i you know i have to as as i've gotten older i have to warm up and and practice more because um you know things don't work the same as they did when you were you know 20 years younger or whatever so you have to you know in order to you know like a like a car in order to keep it running you have to have to do tune-up you have to get a tune-up and Mm -hmm. you have to get it serviced so it's the same thing you have to give your body that service in order for it to work properly so um so yeah, and all but also it's it's um you know, it's it's every little bit helps. So um you know, there's been there's been times when my you know, I try to put in something every day and there's been times where okay, oh man, I only got 10 minutes. But I was like, okay, let me let me just sit down for those 10 minutes. You know, at least I'm I'm getting something in. Right. And that, it it really makes all the difference in the world. If you, you know, if you if you apply that and you say look okay i i got this much time today okay let me let me do that let me get this done or i have i have 15 minutes today i can do that you know what i mean so yeah why is it can,
0: that people think that like if they can't put in 2 hours there's no point in doing it
1: No, i don't understand that i really don't you know you have to everybody leads leads different lives and and some lives are really really busy so you know, you, you just have to put in something, a little something every day. You mm-hmm. know, I I you know, I tell people that all that time all all the time, it's like, man, you don't have to just go out here and try to do seven, eight hours a day. Just whatever is available at, at you know, for you, just take advantage. You you know, there are some minutes where you in the day where you have some downtime that you can do something. You mm-hmm. know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: when you when you're checking your Instagram post or your Instagram feed, that's five, ten minutes right there that you could be using to practice. Right.
0: I also think so, if you're younger you should be putting in five, six, seven, eight hours a day.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean if yeah. I mean, I, right? Doesn't I, everybody I, have I to go
0: through that like ingestion oh, period where like, yeah, man. the couple years of where they're practicing, you know, four
1: five, six, seven, eight hours a day. Oh man, yeah. I mean there was there was times in high school, but also in college, when when I was just like almost like spending a night at the at the uh, in the practice room just practicing, you yeah, because I had all the time, you know, Bands. I didn't really have any other uh, um, concerns or you know or any other any other people relying on me, sort of right, thing, you know, right. So
0: yeah, when I was in college, there was a marimba player that came in, and I wish I remembered who he was, because I would write him and thank him, but he said, "Listen." practice as much as you can now because you'll never have as much time to practice as you do right now. And Oh yeah. And and at, I initially was like, "Ah, whatever." And like I kind of wrote it off and I talked to some other people, some older players and they're like, "No, no, no. Do it." Start practice. Yeah. I was like, "Okay." So, I was like 2 hours in the morning, 2 hours in the afternoon, 2 hours in the evening.
1: There you go. There you, you know, go. No, get I mean, it, in. it it yeah, exactly. Get it in when you can cuz yeah, now, I mean, at least for my for myself it's like that. I wish I could have that time back sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes you just feel like, damn, there's not enough hours in the day, Yep, you know, but so what, talk know.
0: to me about your, your approach to practicing. I think, I always think it's interesting to unpack the way that people are not only approaching their practice session, but, but how they're working through their practice routine. And like, because mm. I, because I think a lot of times, I, I mean, even myself, I've struggled with this before, like you mm-hmm. sit down at the kit and you're like, uh, okay, what, where, how, how, how should, how should I practice? What should I practice? How, how is what I'm practicing going to end up in my playing? Uh, those sorts of things. So I'd love to hear what your approach is.
1: Well, I mean, for me, I always uh, try to start start with some kind of warm up just to warm up the wrist and you know if I'm at the kit, the you know the all all four limbs. So I'll do either you know the Al Dawson roll ritual. Mm-hmm. Or you know, some other kind of rudimental thing to just help warm stuff up. And then um I I still like to to work on sight, sight reading. So sometimes I'll take um one of my practice books that I had at home and just and just sit with it, you know, whether it's like a Wilcoxon thing or uh the stick control or or the syncopation book. Mm-hmm or even, um, uh, four-way coordination book mm-hmm. and just sit with it, you know, go through pages that I haven't checked out and just try to, and try to go through it. Like, um, I try, try to take the method that, uh, that Kenny Washington does, like taking one bar at a time, you know, and really working that one bar out until you get it perfect
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then move on, you know, not, not trying to just, you know, uh, quickly get past it, you know, Right. I want to be able to play everything, you know, correctly. So, so, and then after I do that, um, it's usually working on songs for a gig or something like that. So if it's somebody's music that I haven't played, I try to sit with that for a while. And a lot of times, a lot of that, a lot of times that's what it is for me. It's like learning people's music. That's kind of a, um, my practice routine like mm-hmm. that, you know, I'll, I'll have like a gig coming up and I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta learn this person's music, you know? So, um, you know, cause my thing is I want, you know, if, even if I'm subbing for somebody, I want it to, I want it to feel like when I'm on a gig, I want that person to feel like I've been playing in, in he here she's band for years. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so I'm really meticulous about like learning every, uh, nuance of of that person's music mm-hmm. um and then other times um uh, i'm away from the kid and it's i'm dealing with uh composing and that's and that's kind of um um uh, and that's kind of that kind of will be like my practice day you know right where i'm trying to just write some new music or you know or try to come up with some different kind of uh concepts on how to approach composing a new piece, you know, whether it be like a kind of rhythmic idea that I had earlier from practicing, um, uh, you know, or something I hear a baseline that I like and I try to loop it and then try to figure out from there. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, that, but that's usually where, how I kind of, uh, you know, that's kind of like the basis of how I, I practice, you know, like I try to, uh, you know, I try to work on technique things and then also some composing things and then, uh, some sight reading stuff. Do you know why
0: when you tune a drum, you're supposed to go diagonal across the drum? That's because your drum is flawed. I hate to break it to you, but your drum is flawed because of the way that the edge is. The typical edge doesn't allow the drum head to sit on it properly. So when you tighten down one lug, it causes the drum head to shift and pop up on the other side. That's why you have to tune it diagonally. But now with the new Soniclear Edge from Mapex, that's a thing of the past. The Soniclear Edge allows the head to sit flush. So it promotes ease of tuning, increased shell resonance and optimal tonal clarity. So you're gonna have to do a lot less work and get a lot greater sound. To learn more about the Sonic Clear Edge, go to mapexdrums.com. One line in the dream symbol family that I think is really cool is the dark matter family. They have the flat earth, the moon ride, and the dark matter energy. And although they're all made a little bit differently, they all involve the dark matter process. And this is really cool. Check this out. They take a symbol that is already finished and then put it back in the oven, hand hammer it, and then shock it with cold water and then put it back in the oven. And what happens is the ash and the soot from the oven are fused to the top layer of the metal, which give it this really, really unique sound. And you know what? I'm going to let you hear exactly what this process does to a symbol. Check them out. <laughs> to learn more about Dream Symbols, their Dark Matter line, and all their great products, be sure to check out DreamSymbols.com. The one thing that that sticks out to me is when I talk to when I talk to drummers who are predominantly jazz players, mm-hmm. that there's a lot of talk about about playing melodically and and about, you know, phrasing and and all of these different things. And there's less of that uh, in conversations with rock drummers, especially like younger rock drummers. There's no sort of conception around about that kind of stuff. Um mm. But it's such it's such an important thing that like to me, those are all the intangibles, right? Like your phrasing and how like melodically how you're playing and everything. And I and I look at it like surface level is like you're playing beats. And then once you dig beneath the surface, you're understanding melody and phrasing and and, you know, how you're how you're voicing things and stuff like that. And that's where, to me, like that's where I think the real magic happens. Which you you already know that yourself. How do you hmm. how do you recommend that people start opening that door into, you know, whether it be learning l- the the language of playing jazz or just like really start exploring phrasing and and harmonic, like playing harmonically and
1: and voicings
0: hmm. and those different things.
1: Well, you know, when I early on when I when I first started practicing a lot, you know, like I would say in high school. One of the things that I started doing was taking tunes out of the real book or, you know, or learning basic like um, American Songbook song and applying them for a solo drum piece. Mm -hmm. So say if it it was like a Thelonious Monk composition, um, I would try to play the melody on the drums, um, being aware of the long notes and short notes, which... What am I going to hit that's going to accent more of the long notes? What am I going to play? What drum or symbol am I going to play that's going to, um, you know, accent like the, the the shorter notes or, you know. And so I started doing that. And what I found was the more that I did it, the more that I was aware, I started to become aware of not only just the rhythmic concept, but the melodic concept of what this, uh, you know, what this person was conveying in the music you know, uh, one of my favorite monk tunes was was evidence. And, um, I, you know, I took that tune and just really dissected it and tried to figure out, like, phrase it, like how monk would phrase it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like really, and and really try to get inside of it like that. And in a way that kind of helped me later on to learn how to decipher, um, people's original material because I had those elements from from the past, um, from working with it, so you start to see certain connections and certain um, and certain things, you know, like certain rhythmic ideas that are the same in other people's music. So, um, you know, you start seeing like different eight note patterns or different sixteenth note patterns. That oh man, that's that's like this or whatever. So I um, so it really helped me to. Decipher people's original material quicker, um, and so the other the other thing, I what I did I started taking it even further. I would start trying to uh, imitate the pitches of 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 uh, of a piece. So if it was E flat, I would be trying to find the E flat on on the tom, or you know, or whatever, or, or on the um, on the snare with the snares off. And then tune put me more in touch with trying to be more melodic on the instrument because a lot of people just f- see the drums as a rhythmic instrument, but it's it's not just that you know the, it, it's a harmonic instrument. It's also a very melodic instrument if if played correctly.
2: Yeah, and I think so, uh, I, I mm-hmm. I've
1: always
0: said that one of the things that always irritated me is like anyone can sit down behind a kit and and play it like technically mm-hmm. you play it right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like i could never pick up a violin and and like you need to know what you're doing to get sounds out of a violin but like for right. for a drum you can sit behind it and just whack it and you're gonna get
1: sound out of it right you're gonna get a sound out of it. um but uh um, but i under, think also go ahead well i think also for me i i started out playing violin before i played drums interesting um, <laughs> you know my father was a jazz violinist right so um Uh, I I was, I was on drum, I mean, on violin first. And Mm -hmm. so I think that also in turn helped me to be a lot more aware of, of, uh, of the melodic side of, of the drums, you know, because Mm -hmm. I had that, you know, I played violin up and through high school. So, um, and, you know, and I started drums at 10, I started violin at three. Wow. So I was playing, I was playing both. And violin's a hard instrument that is a very hard instrument. And when it is out of tune, it's like the worst sounding thing ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, no, but I, I think in turn that really, um, helped the melodic aspect of my playing, you know, when I, when I, when I started focusing mainly on drums, um, cause I had been so used to playing melodies on, the, you know, on the violin growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also one of the things that my father kind of stressed to me when I was younger is like, you know, I think even before they bought me a kit, it was like, okay, right, if you want to play drums, you got to know about harmony, you got to know about the, uh, you know, the melodic, you know, instruments. So um, they they had me start taking piano lessons so that I could know about harmony and 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 melody and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that helped uh me too to kind of uh to kind of uh, uh some of those things I learned to apply that to the drums too. Right. Um and I, I always encourage my students now, like, okay, if you if you're gonna play the drums, it's important to know um know about um, you know, chords and harmony also. So mm-hmm. I always encourage them to, to play piano. And then if it's uh if I have like a piano student or or a saxophone student I I encourage them to try to play drums and learn about the rhythmic aspect too about the, about that instrument because mm-hmm. that also helps their playing so I think by me playing piano and violin um I had a really uh a, a kind of a step ahead of the game a little bit as, in terms of like uh how I wanted to approach playing the drums you know like right. I I wanted to Come to it, of course, from a rhythmic standpoint. But I also wanted to I always have melodies in my head. You know, I always was walking around singing or whistling, or and now in turn I do it. And I, you know, if I have an idea, I'll whistle it into my phone if I'm if I'm out. But um, you know, I, I always wanted to take that approach because I felt like uh, as much as rhythm is important to the music I'm playing. Uh, Melody is what also grabs people, too. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so I wanted to create memorable melodies, um, you know, stuff that you can walk away singing or whatever. So I wanted to be able to create that on the drums. And so in turn, I started tuning my drums a certain way to get certain tones. So tune in fourths or or minor thirds to kind of get a certain sound when I'm playing the instrument now. Mm -hmm. and. So and me, so I try.
0: Mm-hmm, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you because, and this may be, it might be a tough question to answer, but it also may sound like a stupid question. But I remember having these questions when I was 17, 18. I remember specifically when I was in college, we were going through a marimba piece and, and I was playing marimba and my instructor was like, Look, just listen for the chord changes. And I was like, I don't even know what he's talking about. Not, mm-hmm. I don't know what he's talking about, but I don't know how to hear this. I don't, like, I'm not hearing what you're what you're telling me to listen for so I would always ask well I wouldn't ask people because at the time I was 18 and I thought I knew everything so I was too embarrassed <laughs> to ask um, <laughs> right. but but I'm sure that some people now have that same question that I had back then which is how do you how do you start finding those things how do you how do you start developing that ear how do you like how like if you know i would always hear people oh you got to play more melodically or like do you hear the melody that's going through the tune and all that kind of stuff and i was like no first of all no and second Mm. of all i don't even know what i'm supposed to be listening for or how i even start to discover that stuff in the music that i'm listening to so that i can start applying it into my
1: Mm. in my playing yeah that's that's a challenge because it it, you know, it all depends on how develop your ear is in a way,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, there's, there's certain people that their ears are more developed so they can pick out, you know, a melody right away and say, okay, let me follow that and see where it goes. And then, and then there's other people that it takes them a little longer. Um, so yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say, like, I, I mean, I would say, um, and I guess it depends if you have music in front of you or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would think, okay, if there's if there is music in front of you, um, and you're just starting out, I would try to, you know, some t- when I was, I think, okay, I'll equate it back to when I was, you know, younger, maybe around that age, like fifteen or sixteen. I was kind of, you know, trying to learn music. One of the things that I would sit down and do, like if there was music <laughs> put in front of me is just count the bars and say, okay, how many bars before I get back to the top of the tune? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And whatever it be, whatever it was, you know, even if, you know, when it was really on and I didn't really know a blues form, I would say, oh, okay, Uh, let me see how many bars are there, you know, and then I would count it, you know, and then say, okay, that's, that's 12 bars and it's 12 bars before I would get to the top. You know, go back to the top of the piece. So just a simple thing like that, I kind of learned how to count form and learn form. Mm -hmm. Later on, as my ears started to develop more...
0: Just, Just to interrupt you, like let's pretend that no one understands anything that we're talking about. Talk about form. Like, What do you mean when you say form?
1: Okay, what I mean when I say form, it's kind of like the map on how you get through... The tune. Mm-hmm. That's how I would it. So, you know, in a tune, there's going to be a start and a finish, and a finish. So, when I say form, it's it's where the tune begins to where the tune ends. That's what we'll call a form. Mm-hmm. So,
0: when I, lo- um, I and the reason why I asked that is, I remember like when I learned form, it was like my head exploded. <laughs> you know, and I was like, right. how did I? how did I not even understand this at all? Like, right. You know, I was always like, how did this is the honest to God truth. I would say, I would watch, like I would be at a jazz show and I would be like, how does everyone know when to come back in when the
1: solo's over? (laughs) No, I used to do the same thing. I mean, like had no idea. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I was the same way. Like, man, how do they know? Yeah. I was like, man, these guys are really tight. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So when I say when I talk about form, I'm talking about the starting point and the ending point, basically. Mm -hmm. So my idea is like, okay, From the time we start. How many how many measures are there within this form before the tune ends or before the tune goes back to the first first bar? Mm -hmm. And so depending on what the tune is. It could be an odd number of groupings. It could be a 19-bar tune. Um, It could be a 20-bar tune. It could be a 15-bar tune. So, you know, if you're first starting out and you can't really hear what the chords or the harmony is, the first thing I would say is, well, you know how to count. So how many bars are in this tune? And if you can count that, then that's kind of your first step. That's kind of like an introduction on how mm-hmm. to learn the form. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's just how I, that's how I would do it. And,
0: and listen and to, uh, I w- and like, listen to easier tunes too, right?
1: Well, just of course, to out of course. Tune, like, the, the yeah, form. I mean, I mean, the first, I would say the easiest form, if you were playing jazz, one of the easiest, you know, forms to learn is a blues form. Mm-hmm. Um, and in most cases usually a blues is 12 bars. So if you can if you can't even if you can't hear the harmony of the blues, at least you know, okay, there's 12 bars in this in this song. Do you have a
0: good example and, of it, like a 12 bar blues
1: tune? Man, we can start out very simple. There's a uh C jam blues. Right? Mhm. Da 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 da. Da da. Da-da, da-da, da-da. All right? Da-da, 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 da Now back to the top. Da-da. So even if you can't hear... um, if you, Even if you can't hear the changes, you can at least count how many bars are in that tune. So... uh if you break it down, it's as tw- twelve bars. If you want to break it e- even down further, each phrase is four bars, right? Mm-hmm. Dada, three four da three four three two three four four two three four. That's one. That's one phrase. An, you know, that's that's four bars right there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then there's another four bar phrase. So even if you don't, even if you don't feel comfortable counting. 12 while you're you know or thinking 12 while you're playing you can just break it down even further and say okay four bars each you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and then you get to the last four bars and then you're like oh okay now it started over again and and for me um that's what i would do like i you know before i knew changes or before i could hear harmony that's what i would sit down and do and say okay this piece right here is 12 bars or this piece right here is 16 bars. Now we'll just sit and count it. And then, you know, as time progresses, of course, you know, from doing it over and over, you could start to hear certain things. You could start to hear, Oh, I can hear how the baseline changes. Now let me, now let me sit with it. Just trying to hear the bass notes or whatever. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and, and, then, you know, of course, then I'm listening to it for that now. Not and trying to get away from counting. Uh counting the measures, each measure. And then later on I'm like, oh, okay. And let me see if I can you know, I might not know the names of the chords, but let me see if I can hear what the different chords are. You know. Mm-hmm. And that and um it's it's the thing is it's it's just like repetition is the key, you know. So whether it is uh you know, whether it's just staying on one tune for a month or something like that before you start to kind of understand it, all that makes the difference to me. So, you know, that's what I would do. I, you know, if it was a, t- a tune like an easy tune like C Jam Blues, if I, you know, if I didn't really know for him, yeah, OK, first I'm going to count it and then and then I'll go back once I, you know, once I feel a little more comfortable, then I'm starting to try to listen to it in a different you know with different ears try to listen to it if, and see if i can hear how the bass moves mm-hmm. right um and then try to hear how the melody works over how the bass moves and um and in that way like the the more i did it it would just it, it started to become easier and easier for me right um i would also say try to try to find the similarities in the melody now a melody like c jam blues is very easy because it's it's basically the same uh mm, 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 mm. it's the same three notes basically da 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 you know it's it's three of the same notes in one one different note right
2: mm-hmm. mm, 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 yeah
1: so it's the, basically this. it's four it's it's a four note phrase but it's three of the same notes in one one note that's different so i would try to look you know if you can't read music i would just try to hear that melody and sing that melody how many how many times does that melody happen um and um and that was one of the ways that i that would also help me too i would try to um, latch onto the melody a little bit and see if i could follow it that way
0: Mm -hmm. yeah where were you 20 years ago for me (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah. i'm like mm-hmm. it's it's amazing how it's it's amazing how like how easy it is to not know this stuff
1: <laughs> right well i mean it's, it really is you know it's 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 funny because it, there there's certain things that now that i look at it man how do you even explain that you know like it takes right. you know you have to really think about it because it's like there's certain things that you know as musicians you just take for granted that you know but you know but it's like okay well how do you explain that to somebody who doesn't have any idea you know what i mean like dude that was me like i was a
0: (laughs) i'm telling i was like a rock you know i was a rock drummer and was like didn't understand
1: didn't understand
0: any of that and i was like form what's that and i was like oh, melody oh they're (laughs) wait a minute so when they're soloing they're not just soloing they're playing to a melody within the form i'm like Wait, wait, wait wait stop I have no idea what you're talking, right? And I did like once I learned it, I was like, "Why? Like, it's almost to me, it's almost like now, like, why they don't why they don't teach like personal finance in college, right? I'm like, when you buy a set of drumsticks, why don't they sit you down and be like, before you do anything, here's what you need to understand. Exactly. (laughs) There's melody, there's form, there's this, there's that, and then it's like, okay, now I can go down this journey a little bit easier. (laughs) (laughs) Like,
1: oh, there's a map to this. Exactly. I mean I I have to give it up to my to my mother and father for cuz I didn't you know I wanted to just play drums. I wasn't mm-hmm. I didn't want to do anything else, but it was like you know my father, you know being a musician, he knew the importance of learning the melodies and learning and learning piano so that I could learn melody. And so uh when I started studying piano, it became even easier for me to it became much more easier for me to to, to play the drums because I had that melodic aspect in my head from, from, from playing, you know, what, you know, some Bartok or playing some Ravel or Debussy, whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I had like melodies in my head. I was able to, to hear and decipher melodies that much quicker. So when I started playing jazz or learning, you know, learning about jazz early on, I you know that was one of the things that I always gravitated to was the melody right and and even in my own compositions now, I always try to um I always try to gravitate to the melody first a lot of times before I even figure out you know what I want to do rhythmically on this tune i'm I'm hearing the melody first and yeah. um and and that's definitely helped me uh to take a different approach um when i when i when i go to play the drums you know so i'm not i'm not necessarily thinking about it as you know drums is just a rhythmic instrument i'm thinking about it on about how i can create different melodies around the kit you know as for me that's just uh that's a fun thing to try and a fun thing to do I, that's i i really enjoy that
0: mm-hmm The interesting part that that once I learned all of this stuff, then I realized that like, okay, if someone is playing, if someone is playing a solo, or if they're comping or whatever it is, uh, and whatever, if there's a melody that's, say, it's just four quarter notes, right? A super Mm -hmm. like it would be a pretty boring melody, but if it's four quarter notes, right and then you could subdivide each one of those quarter notes with whatever you're playing so you could play a triplet or you could play this or you could play that then mm-hmm. I was like oh then it just like everything just broke wide open for me and I was like oh yeah okay now this is all okay this is where all of this creativity and phrasing and all of that stuff comes into play and it's not just a bunch of random notes that people are just playing
1: yeah yeah I mean it's so, it's, it's it's so it's so much fun to like discover stuff like that I remember one of my teachers in in uh, in school was would have me play some you know even something simple like that like a melody for chord notes mm-hmm. but then each bar displacing it by an eighth note or whatever right same melody but just displacing it each time I come to the next bar displacing it by an eighth note
0: mm-hmm. I would do it and with then, like take me out to the ball game or like Mary had a little lamb or something right
1: like right 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 you can start very you know very simple like that and and it's just weird how it's the same melody but it's it feels and sound it it makes it sound different when when you do something like that and um yeah and i i, I don't know i just found it so it, you know when when those things were revealed to you it's like the you know it's like the you know the earth parting or something or the w or the, you know the water's parting and it's yeah. like oh man i can see i'm seeing something different now or whatever, right. or whatever. so so, it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely an amazing... <laughs> Why didn't everyone tell me this before? <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and
0: I think it's it's also worth noting that, like, the good news is there's this thing called Google, and you can go on and you can search for the form of, you know, any song that you're listening to. You can figure oh, out the totally. form if it's, you know, if it's AABA or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You can find it, and you could, you know, there's probably a YouTube video of someone at least dissecting the melody or telling you what the melody is or whatever, if it's a relatively popular song.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes what I would do to challenge myself is, um, well, I mean, I'm of course we, you know, I'm, I'm in an age before the, the internet and all that. So a lot of times I had to like figure it out for my, for myself before I saw a lead sheet or something like that. So mm-hmm. sometimes I would hear, you know, I would tape something off of the radio and if I, if it really caught my ear, I would try to figure it out. You know, uh, my dad, you know, my dad, for a while, he would help me with certain things. But then it was like, he kind of knew, like, yo, this, you know, you need to, if you want to, you know, if you're serious about that, you need to learn how to do it yourself. So, a lot of times I was just, like, trying to figure out, writing it out myself. And then, you know, later on, I would, you know, see somebody would have a, a, a chart of the tune or whatever. And sometimes I would be dead on with how, you know, how I wrote it out. And sometimes it'd be Totally different, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm dead, I'm dead wrong, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> you know, but it was, for me, it was, it was, uh, it was good to do that, you know, and I still kind of practice that sometimes, sometimes I'll hear a song and I'll just try to jot it down to where, where I'm hearing it, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then, um, you know, and then I'll look it up and it's like, oh, okay, they were hearing this as uh, a whole bar seven and maybe I wrote it out as a bar of four and three, I mean, it's still seven, but right. You know, right. it was it's just how, you know, it was just how they, how this person chose to write it out, you know? So it's, you know, sometimes it's interesting to do it like that too. And, and figure, you know, and find out later how, you know, the composer wrote it out, yeah. you know, or wrote the music out. So,
0: yep. yeah. So one last question about this particular thing about, about melody and things like that. How do you, mm-hmm. how would you um, apply this like in a, in like a groove setting right like if it's a rock or like a pop setting or whatever it is because you're obviously not going to be like dancing around the kit playing the melody right and you don't necessarily have the same the same freedom to like comp with your left hand or something like that um Mm -hmm. how would you apply it to like just like a groove
1: well i mean a lot of times if i'm playing uh groove oriented music i hum the melody in my head And sometimes if I, you know, if it's a situation where I have to, you know, just I like playing pocket because I like being able to just kind of keep a steady groove. But, you know, if I want to kind of um, outline the melody a little bit, I'll I'll try to maybe accent a certain certain phrase or something like that. Uh, But there's a tune. What was the tune? I was I was just singing this with somebody and I can't remember who it was. Oh, man, I can't remember what it was, but it was something <laughs> where it was it was it was it's a popular tune. It might have been a tune from the 80s. I can't even remember what it was. Uh, but whatever it was, it was like this person had asked me, how do you how do you how do you hear that tune? And um, I started singing it and he was and the person was like, man, you know, actually, most people sing it like that, but it's actually there's a it's actually uh he's like, there's a there's a sixteenth note that changes the the phrase and I, I I wish I could remember the tune. And so then I started singing it, the way he was singing, it, I was like, Oh man, you're right. I you know, I never even thought about it like that. You just sometimes you get used to just hearing it a certain way and you just play it. So sometimes I feel like, you know, with those with pieces like that, with groove-oriented pieces, accents make the whole difference. You mm-hmm. know, so sometimes if I'm if I'm grooving on something I might make an accent on it to kind of outline the melody a little bit, you know. Right. So it's it's not it's not to distract from the groove or try to take away from the groove. It's kind to to enhance the the melody and the groove behind the melody. Um, you know, you take a tune like um like uh Fifty Ways to what is it Fifty Ways to Leave Your Lover? Right. You know the um Paul Simon. and the groove that yeah. yeah the groove that that Steve Gad is playing behind that. Is really is slick. It's, it's it's the perfect groove. But if you really listen closely, he's accenting some of the phrases of the melody without forsaking the groove. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that. So I you know I try to take that same approach and say okay, even though they want me to to groove and stay in the pocket, and I I can't necessarily like uh, play the whole melody, the whole phrase of the melody. I might just play accents or little bits of the melody to kind of just enhance it a little more. Right. And, um, and to me that, that makes the, the all the difference, you know, mm-hmm. um, even those little things, you know, um, something that little can, you know, little accent can really change the whole, you know, the whole outlook of how a tune is played. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, that for me, that's, that's, that's how I kind of apply it to uh, a more of a pocket or R and B or a hip hop uh setting
2: mm-hmm.
0: and i and the reason why i asked that is because i i didn't want anyone to be listening to this say oh okay that doesn't that applies to jazz but it doesn't apply to me and it's like no it you no, should, no,
1: you it should be hearing the melody <laughs> exactly exactly you know and you know i've there's there's you know there's tons of drummers that play and they play chops and they have a whole bunch of chops but i think to me the it, for me what i like to hear is a drummer who can just like lay it down and make little accents to kind of enhance it but still make it feel good you know what i mean like uh uh you know chris dave is amazing with that you know mm-hmm. or or you know or 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 steve Gaddis is like that you know steve can play a groove and just make it feel so good and he'll just do little things here and there that'll just uh you know little accents here and there that just really help you know uh bring the whole groove into focus even more you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it feels great and then he'll just do his one or two simple little things and it's just like oh man i just elevated the whole thing to me for you know for me so um yeah those are those are a few little things i try to do so and that and that again that you have to know the melody inside and out to be able to do something like that mm-hmm. you know so i, I always I always try to tell drummers that, man, it's really important to know the melody of a song. Um, I was taught early on to even learn the lyrics of a song, you know. So um, sometimes I would write the lyrics out of a tune, And, you know, that would also help me learn how to phrase and play play around with the melody a little bit.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me,
1: man. Yeah, and, you know, it makes, you know, it... it, um, And I think it applies to all genres of music, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, know, so, yeah.
0: So where can people uh, see you putting all this into action? (laughs) (laughs) I know you play a lot. Where can they uh, just go to your website? Like you always have your dates up there, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm always updating my my website, Uh, but I'm also on Facebook. I'm also on uh, Instagram. Uh, Twitter. So um I'm I'm easily accessible. People can easily find me there. Um, and I you know and I do updates there. So the next couple things that are coming up. I'm you know actually tonight I'm in New York at the Blue Note tonight and tomorrow, Blue Note in New York City with Ravi Coltrane. And nice. then um I leave on Saturday uh to start a European tour for about three weeks with um the great Kenny Barron and, and Dave Holland. We have a, um, a new record coming out tomorrow, actually, uh, that we're going to be touring in support of. Awesome. Yeah. So well, we'll so. link
0: up to it. So this will come out, uh, this will come out on Monday the 9th. So I'll link up to it, uh, in the show notes to make sure that everyone can find the record. And all oh, that. cool. Uh, or, I mean, if you can, you know, pass me along the, the info and I can put it on there to make sure that everybody, that everybody has that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can text you, um, all the info, um, right? At, you know, right after our conversation, I can text you the name of the record and and uh, stuff like that. So and cool. where to find it. out.
0: Good deal. And yeah. I'll link up to you know we'll link up to everything. Uh, you know everything that that people can find you and and your all your contact info and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and also, man, I got to tell you, you know, I I've done so many of these interviews and and a lot of times. They start to run together, and and I don't mean that in a in a negative way, but you know how it is, like with gigs or or whatever the case is. And sometimes you like you you lose that spark. And recently, I've been I felt like I've been like losing the spark or the the desire to practice. But this whole entire conversation, I've been like, all I want to do is get back behind the kit.
1: Oh man, because I'm of glad to hear that.
0: because of like the stuff that we're talking about and the way that you're you're expanding my knowledge here and just. It, it was like this whole conversation. I'm like, man, this is so good, and now <laughs> I just want to like as soon as I hang up the phone, I want to run and jump behind the kit. So I want to thank you for that, for the inspiration, oh, but also for taking the time to to chat with me, to share all of this with with the listeners because it is super important. Uh, I look at you as as someone who is continuing to carry the to carry the flame for sure. Uh, oh,
1: I appreciate that, Nick, and, yeah. and you know, for me, as. As a son of, you know, educators, it, you know, for me, it's it's so important to to educate our youth and, you know, and and as a father, you know, just for me, it's just really important to pass on some of the knowledge because I feel that um, somebody took the time to do it for me. So if I don't do it, you know, do the same, then I'm doing the, the people that, you know, paid the way for me a disservice. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: I really I really appreciate you including me and in, in your podcast is this you know this really means a lot to me and, and you know i'm glad that i was uh that we were able to do this likewise
0: man it's been my pleasure and safe mm-hmm. travels out there on the road i know you're getting ready to head over to europe and all of that so be well on the road and again yes. thank you so much
1: my pleasure Nick. no problem
0: There you have it, the one and only Jonathan Blake, and man, what an inspiring episode! I mean, I I even mentioned it in the episode. I was so inspired. I was like, I can't wait to get behind the kit and practice. So I hope this does the same for you. I hope you get into the practice room, talk, you know, go through some of the stuff that we talk about, or that Jonathan talks about. I should say uh, that he talks about in this episode and put it into work. Also, check out the show notes. Go to drummersresource.com forward slash session. Five, 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 and we have lists to the songs that we talked about and also the books that Jonathan referenced and things like that. DrummersResource.com forward slash session 555. And other than that, I hope you have a great week. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Drummers Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon, and graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.